Hey everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 159 on Now You Know. This episode is brought to you, as always, by our amazing Patreon patrons who make this show possible. And as Amazon associates, we earn from qualifying purchases. Link down below. And we're brought to you by ecoware.us. I'm wearing a brand new design, Tesla, made in the USA. And you can also get this design over here. There are many more designs. We have new designs uploaded every week. Yeah, we carbon offset the manufacturer, shipping, and life cycle of your purchase. And we plant a tree for every order. And every order helps support us here on Now You Know. Plaid beats Taycan. I think you mean Taycan. I can never get the name right. It, You read it. You look at it with your eyes. Yeah. And it says... Taycan, but the the German in me says Taycan. But you never say Porsche. Yeah, I've drawn I've drawn the line there. I will say Porsche. Sorry, but you know, for all the people who get so worked up about it, it's like you know. So here's the thing: uh, when you're driving around Nuremberg, you can't get an official time unless you're part of an official race. And the Tesla Plaid car was not part of an official race. But Tesla did tweet this out: data from our track tests indicates that the Model S Plaid can achieve 720 at the Nuremberg. With some improvements, 705 may be possible when Model S returns next month. So how does this time play with the Taycan uh, time? It's 22 seconds faster. 22 seconds faster. The Taycan got a time of 7.42 uh, for a Ouch. lap a couple weeks ago. So again, it's not the official time, and this isn't a production model, but neither was the Taycan. Um, the Taycan had plenty of modifications on it as well. Um, but again, this isn't a, a Tesla that you can supposedly go out and buy uh, today. This is the Plaid version, which should be coming out. But the, the, I think that the crazy thing here is that in Tesla's tweet, they said that they should be able to improve it to 7.05. Yeah, I want to give a list here of uh, what some times have been at Nuremberg from different cars, so you can get a kind of a context mm -hmm. here. If they can come in at 7.05, that's going to put them near the top 10 list of all-time cars, not just production cars, but that might actually scoot them onto the list of even uh, like experimental race cars, race yeah. cars and, and stuff that you can't buy, which is crazy. And I don't like I don't know how they got 22 seconds faster than the Taycan. Yeah. I really, honestly, don't know how they did that. And then to say that they're going to shave another 15 seconds off of that time, yeah, to me, is what how. Could you possibly do that? Maybe they're going to put the rocket motors in the car. I think well, that maybe the think so. only way you could do it. I, I don't know. I mean, Tesla already tweeted this out, um, this story about the Model S beating the Taycan. Mm -hmm. and, and Elon then responded, it's a start. We expect these track times to be beaten by the actual production seven-seat Model S Plaid variant that goes into production around October, November of next year. So first of all, we've got a time now. So if you're waiting for your Plaid, you're going to be waiting for over a year. Right. Um, and we now hear that it's a seven-seat variant, and it's going to do, it sounds like, even better. Right. I, I don't know how. That's the thing. I don't I don't know how. I, Let, I wish I could be like, well, they're going to improve the tires, and they're going to add. Like, they already added a third motor to the mo to a regular Model S to make this Plaid version. Right. Um, which I'm assuming is just like a straight copy-paste from the Roadster. That's what I must sounds imagine. Like you know, while we're having fun with the story, let's yeah. just have more fun. I mean, here's the Tesla tweet. We installed a supercharger at Nuremberg. Makes it feel like home, you know. Now this. 
Okay, now let's let's talk about like the impact because we haven't even talked about like the impact that this must have for Porsche because Nuremberg is in Germany. Yeah, it's their backyard. It's like this is like the German racing arena. This is yeah. the place that German automotive companies have been coming here for years to be like, can I look just, at some amazing stats of our motor cars. Can I just say how dumb it was for Porsche to play this game? They walked right into Elon's <laughs> trap. Elon laid a trap for them, and they walked right into it. Right. I, I. What were they thinking? Well, I think that Elon knew what they were thinking. This is, I mean, it's like by the book. It's, so it's he exactly, knew what they knew what he knew what they knew? No, like, I mean, it's pretty obvious you you know you know uh porsche comes out with a new car and it's electric and tesla exists so therefore they must be like oh it's going to be tesla killer and what how are they going to prove it what you know what things since it can't beat it in a straight line the porsche Taycan can't beat a performance model s in a straight line right. what do you do you take it to the track that's the one thing that the, the the porsche has always had an advantage over because the porsche is a lighter car than than a, a model s so i think that they were thinking Okay, we know what the Performance Model S can do. The Taycan should, on paper, do better. So, therefore, we're good. And that'll be our one thing. Like, sure, you know, the, the regular yeah. Model Elon S. Elon sprung the trap. <laughs> it's a trap. Um, and then Viv said, I guess New Roadster will easily beat the all-time record of 644. And Elon said, absolutely. It's just nothing but fun. It's super fun to, to be excited about this sort of thing. So this is cool news. Uh, so we all knew that Rivian had a huge investment from Amazon of $700 million, but right. now Amazon just released that they're going to be making 100,000 electric vehicles for Amazon. And not just vehicles like the pickup truck. No, no, no. They're going to be making delivery vehicles, specifically this van, which just got unveiled, like the picture of it just got released the other day. Yeah. So we did a little math here. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, these vehicles aren't going to be made in one year. They're going to be made between 2021 and 2024. Right. And, um, and a lot of people, I think when you first hear this, are like, 100,000 trucks, that seems like a lot. But, you know, it's probably nothing. Because a lot of times... I have to be honest, when uh, companies are like, we're going to make an electric uh, delivery truck, they usually make like five. Right. And so you never see them. You'd never get to experience them. And it was just basically a little publicity stunt. Yeah, let's put it in context. I mean, FedEx has uh, about 85,000 trucks right now. And UPS has 123,000 vehicles. So, uh, so making 100,000 is right in line with that. Like, if you wanted to have a global fleet, of delivery vans. That's, what, that's the number you make. You'd want that number. But let's go even further. Let's uh, crunch some numbers here. UPS drives about 3 billion miles a year. So mm -hmm. let's assume that uh, Amazon drives a similar number. Yeah. Um, so that would be 294 million gallons of diesel fuel used every year to power that fleet. And wow. that would be 6.5 billion pounds of CO2 per year. And that would cost $876 million a year in diesel fuel. Uh, a lot of that goes away. In fact, all the CO2 goes away. Right. All the diesel goes away. And most of the money goes away uh, when you're making that an electric fleet. So, I mean, these... Oh, and also all the maintenance goes away pretty much, too. Right. So, I mean, this is... I mean, it's a brilliant move by Amazon to, A, acquire Rivian. That was smart. And then to be like, and guess what? You're making our delivery trucks. This is smart. The, the way to deliver anything should be by uh, electric delivery van. There's not really any better way to do it. I know that they thought about drones. If we're talking about energy and the environment and you still want to have Amazon, yeah. 
this is the way to do it. Also, that van's really cool. I've been looking at it for a while, and I don't know why I think it's so cool. I guess because it's just so the much proportions, bigger. Yeah. yeah, the proportions are really weird. They're not. It's not the typical size of your delivery van. This no. is this is a lot bigger. Yeah, it's a lot longer. Yeah, it's about ninety six square feet, roughly. I'm just saying, I I want one. What to to deliver like stuff in? No, 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 no. To live in. I mean, look. You want to live in a van down by the river? <laughs> I'm saying. This isn't like your typical van down by the river scenario. No. You'd have electricity built in. Yeah. You know, it's got a huge battery, I'm assuming. I'm assuming that it's going to have like a 150-mile battery. I hope so. I have no idea what it's going to be. Maybe it's going to be 200, 300 miles. Who knows? Right. At that size, and it's electric, and you could probably put a ton of solar on the roof. Yeah. I mean, like, that's all I want, really, for housing. Do you know what I want? What? I want one of these. We interviewed the CEO and president of Arkimoto the other day mm-hmm. as they've just released their very first production Arkimoto fun utility vehicle. Here's what he had to say. So fortunate to be with Mark Fronmeyer. He's the CEO and founder of Arkimoto out there in Eugene, Oregon, and you are making some pretty exciting vehicles. We're big fans of them on this channel. Can you tell our viewers who may not be familiar with what you're doing, what it is you're doing in that cool factory there? Sure, sure thing, Zach, and thanks again for having me on the program. Uh, so Arkimoto uh, is a company, we're uh, building a super efficient three-wheeled electric vehicle called the Fun Utility Vehicle, the FUV. Uh, I started Arkimoto in 2007, actually almost exactly 12 years ago, w- with the mission to help catalyze the shift to sustainable transportation. And we're, the, the basic idea is based on the disconnect between cars and how people actually use cars on a daily basis. We drive these five to seven passenger things that can go hundreds of miles but we typically drive them by ourselves or maybe with another person a few miles to go get a cup of coffee or go to work or go to school or go to the movies or go wherever. That disconnect in terms of the footprint of the vehicle creates just massive inefficiency. We cover our cities, about 40% of our cities are covered with asphalt to move cars around and park them. And yet we still face massive traffic congestion in almost every major metropolitan area. So the idea of Arkimoto is not so much to change your behavior pattern, but it's really about creating the right tool for the job for everyday travel. And so the, the, the vehicle we, we spent actually about eight years uh, iterating towards this new platform of a vehicle. It's three wheels, two wheels in front, one wheel in back, dual motor uh, electric drive in the front. You, sit, you actually sit astride the battery, so it has a very low center of gravity, super, super fun ride. And yet, uh, even though it's uh, only a little larger than uh, a touring motorcycle, it still fits two big guys comfortably. And that, that really is what differentiates it from other products on the market. It's a small form vehicle with a lot of space. And so our, our first vehicle is the fun utility vehicle. It's focused on consumers, commuters, vacation rentals. But on that very same platform, we're building a delivery vehicle we call the Deliverator. So get rid of the second seat. And now you've got a bunch of storage in the back. Uh, and then a rapid response vehicle for emergency services, law enforcement, security, and so on. Those are really exciting. I mean, all three are exciting. Um, the Deliverator seems like it's going to be a huge hit with, you know, Uber Eats and all those delivery services because, you know, it can get around a city so easily and park so easily. The rapid responder, I mean, that's, I think, going to be a game changer for so many, you know, campus police and first responders, like to be able to get in and out of traffic and get to the scene quickly. That's going to be amazing. It was actually driving in New York City that where, where we were able to really maneuver uh, across town incredibly effectively that gave us that notion of, well, hey, you know, we could, that's, that's a market where 
we could actually save lives by getting first responders to accident sites more quickly for, I mean, ultimately everything from parking enforcement to uh, to mall security and so on. Yeah, so that was Mark Fronmeyer. He's the founder of the company. He thought it would take six months to make this. It ended up taking 12 years, but that's because it's really hard to do what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, and we're definitely going to get our hands on one of these to test it out because these look like fun. Yes. Fun and utilitarian. Mm -hmm. More fun than a van, I and think. it's a vehicle. Yeah. So IAHS, the Insurance Institute of Highway Safety, gave the Model 3 its top safety pick plus... Right. That's this, not confusing at all. This is the highest safety rating that the IIHS Why don't they just out. call it their highest safety rating? Because... They just want to confuse you? It's Well, they have the top safety pick, and then they have the top safety pick plus. So, so dumb. I, anyway, the 2018 <laughs> Model 3 just missed getting the top safety pick plus because the headlights, I don't know, didn't quite meet their standards or something. Yeah. Uh, so now the 2019 Model 3 was retested and it did get their top safety pick plus. So all categories, including the headlights. That's yes. fantastic. And I mean, I think we should be focusing on the fact that Tesla's a new car company. All these other car companies that get tested every year, Toyota, Ford, GM, they've had years and years to, to figure all this stuff out. Uh, Tesla comes along and they are getting top safety marks on all their cars. Right. Especially with crash safety. I mean, the, the 2018 had all the highest marks for crash safety, including crash avoidance. Again, the only thing dinging it was the headlights. Um, and they made that change back in like August of 2018. So yeah. if you bought a car anywhere beyond August of 2018, or maybe it was October, um, you would have basically a top safety pick plus car. But I mean, their focus is on safety, obviously. But mm -hmm. then you start thinking about Tesla and you're like, their focus is also on emissions and right. autopilot and, and innovation and low maintenance and fun driving and performance and over-the-air updates and games and on and on. Like, right. they're awesome at everything. That's why the products are so remarkable. Right. So let's hand it over to Zach Diktakis, who is at the Daimler headquarters in Germany. Zach, you there? Uh, yes, yes, I'm, I'm here. Uh, so today we've just learned that uh, the long-reigning king of the automotive industry, the internal combustion engine, is finally going to be relinquishing its power. Reluctantly. But even Daimler, who has been making engines since the beginning, uh, who, who you may remember from earlier this year being forced to recall over 700,000 of their cars, uh, due to I installing illegal software to evade emissions testing and uh, has charges against them for pushing down the advancement of uh, lowering emissions technology just in general. Uh, yes, that's the Daimler I'm talking about. Well, their development chief, Marcus Schaefer, has uh, reportedly said that currently they have no plans to be developing more internal combustion engines. Oh, that's great. That's really good news. Well, it, it's okay news because he also has reportedly stated that they, uh, they might continue developing pieces of, uh, of stuff to improve their current engines. I have one of the spokespersons for the company. Uh, could you speak to the recent claims that you're going to be stopping development on new internal combustion engines and focusing more of your development energies on making electric powertrains. Yeah, so we don't need to develop new diesel engines because the one we have is so good right now that it's, it's so clean right now. We put a little turbo on it and it's totally clean. Could you talk about how, how you're going to be working on the electric cars? Uh, yeah, the electric cars, yeah, we're going to, what we're going to do is just put the diesel motor in the car, and maybe we'll put, like, the electric motor in there, too. 
Uh, okay, uh, but if you're talking about diesel engines, I mean, if you, that's not a very clean. <laughs> no. no, now they're totally clean. So what we do now is we put a second turbocharger on them and a little bit of cylinder lining. So now they're 6% more efficient and totally clean. 6% more efficient, what does that even mean? Yeah, so over the course of an entire year, you're using 6% less fuel, which is cleaner, yeah. And so 6% is totally clean. Now it's totally clean. Wouldn't working on electric cars make it 100% clean? Well, there's no practical reason to go there necessarily because the diesels are totally clean now. And well, what about when you had to earlier this year recall over 700,000 cars because you installed software to evade the testing? Oh, yeah. Now uh, what we did, we took them, we designed this new good engine, and now it's clean. Okay, well, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, we're going to send this back over to Zach and Jesse. This time we mean it. Okay. It's It sounded so good to start, and right. then it just kind of fizzled out not there. Very, uh, not very inspiring. No. So we're going to play a short film here from Greta Thunberg and George Monbiot. This is not a drill. My name is Greta Thunberg. We are living in the beginning of a mass extinction. Our climate is breaking down. Children like me are giving up their education to protest. But we can still fix this. You can still fix this. To survive, we need to stop burning fossil fuels. But this alone will not be enough. Lots of solutions are talked about. But what about a solution that is right in front of us? I'll let my friend George explain. There is a magic machine that sucks carbon out of the air, costs very little, and builds itself. It's called a tree. A tree is an example of a natural climate solution. Mangroves, peat bogs, jungles, marshes, seabeds, kelp forests, swamps, coral reefs, they take carbon out of the air and lock it away. Nature is a tool we can use to repair our broken climate. These natural climate solutions could make a massive difference. Pretty cool, right? But only if we also leave fossil fuels in the ground. Here's the crazy part. Right now, we are ignoring them. We spend 1,000 times more on global fossil fuel subsidies than on natural-based solutions. Natural climate solutions get just 2% of all the money used on tackling climate breakdown. This is your money. It is your taxes and your savings. Even more crazy, right now, when we need nature the most, we're destroying it faster than ever. Up to 200 species are going extinct every single day. Much of the Arctic ice is gone. Most of our wild animals have gone. Much of our soil has gone. So what should we do? What should you do? It's simple. We need to protect, restore and fund. Protect. Tropical forests are being cut down at the rate of 30 football pitches a minute. Where nature is doing something vital, we must protect it. Restore. Much of our planet has been damaged. But nature can regenerate. And we can help ecosystems bounce back. Fund. We need to stop funding things that destroy nature and pay for things that help it. It is that simple. Protect, restore, fund. 
this can happen everywhere. Many people have already begun using natural climate solutions. We need to do it on a massive scale. You can be part of this. Vote for people who defend nature. Share this video. Talk about this. All around the world, there are amazing movements fighting for nature. Join them. Everything counts. What you do counts. Uh, the link will be down in the description. Please share it with everyone you know right now. We'll wait. We'll wait. And then when you're done, when you're done sharing it, keep scrolling down. Leave a comment saying that you've shared it with everyone you know. So Greta spoke to the U.S. Congress last week. And in addressing the Senate Climate Crisis Task Force last Tuesday, Greta Thunberg said the following. Please save your praise. We don't want it. Don't invite us here to just tell us how inspiring we are without actually doing anything about it because it doesn't lead to anything. If you want advice for what you should do, invite scientists. Ask scientists for their expertise. We don't want to be heard. We want the science to be heard. I know you were trying, but just not hard enough. Sorry. I'm just so glad that she's there. Like, you know, it's it would be so easy, especially like, if I were there, I'd be like, it's so important that you guys are listening. I'm so happy. But like, I would forget that they needed to do something. Right. They I'm, need to accomplish something. They can't just be like, it's so great that you're here. It's so inspiring. I'm so glad that she's like, I don't care what you have to say about me. Do something. Here's a clip of her speaking to Congress. I have not come to offer any prepared remarks at this hearing. I'm instead attaching my testimony it is the IPCC Special Report on Global Warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius, the SR 1.5, which was released on October 8, 2018. I am submitting this report as my testimony because I don't want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to the scientists. And I want you to unite behind the science. And then I want you to take real action. And then Elon tweeted out a, a quote from Greta here on his Twitter feed. And someone commented, yeah, let's let a 16-year-old determine world policy. I love you, Elon, but this is wrong. And Elon responded, a 16-year-old who has better reasoning and more heart than the vast majority of political leaders. I don't know who would leave a comment like this. I, I mean, well... If Tad, you, Tad left the comment. Of course, it's someone named Tad. Well, let's let's move on to the rest of the story. Okay, here. we went to a Friday strike, um, and uh, I want to stress that at the one we went to, a fourteen-year-old girl organized the event. Here she was. Here's what Bill McKibben wanted to say to us. 
Lexington takes great pride in having been in on the start of one revolution. Now it's wonderful to see it taking an active role in this planet-wide transformation that we must make in the next few years. What I think is so powerful about having Greta start this movement is that a whole bunch of kids who probably never thought that they could be the leaders or they would be the ones listened to were inspired by her enough to take charge and do this. And so you're seeing kids of all ages from all over the world leading these rallies. They are leading us. They are taking charge, not the adults. Mm -hmm. I think the mass media coverage has been inadequate to capture the sense of scale because it's kids. Right. And I think the mass media is like, oh, well, it's just a bunch of kids, so I don't know if we should cover it. A lot of the crowd numbers had been oddly underreported in a lot of cases um, by a lot of large media outlets. It seems like maybe people want to just kind of tamp down the excitement about this. Um, but this is the largest climate rally ever. Yeah. Uh, the estimates so far, which are low, by the way, peg it at 4 million people around the globe climate striking. Yeah, and let's just put this in context that Greta started this a year ago by sitting on the stairs of her parliament in Sweden, and now we're in the 40th week, mm -hmm. and now we're at the largest climate rally ever. Right. Greta said, around the world today, about 4 million people have been striking. This is the biggest climate strike ever in history, and we all should be so proud of ourselves because we have done this together. There were over 2,500 events scheduled in over 163 countries on all seven continents. And I think that this is really important, you know, because it is younger people and because it is global. I think that it's super important for younger people to see other younger people on the other side of the world doing the exact same thing for the exact same reasons. I think that this is one of the first times in history that we've actually seen something like this. And I think that as time goes forward and these children grow up into adults and, and fully fledged people, they're going to remember this day. Yeah. They're going to remember that they weren't the only ones and that there were people on the other side of the world who were fighting for the exact same cause. And if you're a teacher or if you're a student going to school, uh, you should be talking about what is happening right now. There should be time carved out of your day for the, from the curriculum to talk about what's going on because it is so important. So even if your school hasn't had a strike, um, let's talk about what's going on in those schools. So if you're a student, pressure your administration, pressure your teachers to have some time to talk about this. Right. Sidetrack your teachers. I know that you know how to do that. Every student knows how to sidetrack your teacher. Just do it. Take time out of out of your learning period to talk about it. So 23 states, the District of Columbia, Los Angeles, and New York City are suing NHTSA, which is the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. EPA administrator and former coal lobbyist Andrew Wheeler last week moved to revoke California's authority to set higher emission standards, which were established under the Federal Clean Air Act. Wheeler said, what we are talking about here is energy efficiency. And that is something that we don't believe the state of California or any other state should be setting for the entire country. California Attorney General Xavier Becerra said, two courts have already upheld California's emissions standard, rejecting the argument that the Trump administration resurrects to justify its misguided preemption rule. Yet the administration insists on attacking the authority of California and other states to tackle air pollution and protect public health. The Oval Office is really not a place for on-the-job training. 
President Trump should have at least read the instruction manual he inherited when he assumed the presidency. In particular, the chapter on respecting the rule of law. Mr. President, we'll see you in court. So Electrek has a really good point here. They said that the EPA's announcement stated that their main focus was to set a unified national rule for fuel efficiency standards. However, there was already a unified national rule for fuel efficiency standards in place under President Barack Obama until the EPA repealed that rule earlier this year, causing regulatory uncertainty for automakers who opposed the repeal. So again, basically the states had to come up with some kind of a fuel efficiency standard of their own because the federal government got rid of the one that was already there. Right. So, you know, what what were the states supposed to do? And then when they did come up with the rule of their own, now the Justice Department decides to sue them for it. Right. So under EPA's own analysis from 1997, they found that in the first 20 years of the CAFE standards laws, the ones that reduce emissions in cars, that that avoided 205,000 premature deaths avoided millions of illnesses, including heart disease, chronic bronchitis, asthma attacks, hypertension, and stroke, and resulted in increased child IQ. It also saved the country between $6 trillion and $50 trillion, with a mean estimate of $22 trillion. And if that wasn't enough analysis for you, a later analysis from 2011, which analyzed the effects of additional amendments to the Clean Air Act from 1990 to 2020, in this analysis, it showed that benefits exceeded costs by 30 to 1 and avoided another 230,000 early deaths, 200,000 heart attacks, 2.4 million cases of exacerbated asthma, 5.4 million lost school days, and 17 million lost work days. So, even if you are a fiscal conservative, the argument that lowering the standards will somehow save everyone money holds absolutely no water. It's being pennywise pound foolish. Actually, it's just being pound foolish. I mean, it's not even being pennywise. Right. I mean, it, <laughs> the the savings from not polluting the air, right? And this should make sense, right? If you pollute the air, everyone's health is going to be worse. So if you prevent the air from being polluted, everyone will be more healthy. And that means... Just less costs in general. $22 trillion and millions of cases of sickness. It's just like, what? Hundreds of thousands of lives. As we're speaking right now, Greta Thunberg is addressing the UN on climate change mm -hmm. because it's such an important issue. But you know who's not addressing the UN who could be? Um, maybe like Bugs Bunny? Uh, no, like a government official. Uh, Smokey the Bear? No, an important government official. Oh. Uh, the president. The president of the United States has decided that he is not going to address the UN on climate change. According to The Guardian, instead, he has booked a room at the UN in New York so that he can address a group on religious freedom. Even though the, the climate summit is happening at the UN in New York. So it's not like he's going to be on the other. He's not, it's not like he's like, oh, sorry, I'm in Japan. Right. No, he's right there he's in the gonna same be building. In the same building. Yeah. So David Waskow, director of International Climate Initiative at the World Resources Institute, said it's most importantly a snub to the young people pleading for action on climate change. Donald Trump has made very clear internationally and domestically he has no interest in the science or in this issue. It's up to the rest of the world to get on with its business. But why would he do this? I mean, the, the, the climate strikes four million people, it's conservative estimates. I mean, around the world, it's a big issue. Oh, because you know the number that matters to him. Four million wasn't enough? Uh, it's a bigger number. What number? 
We're talking about following the money here. And according to the Center for Public Integrity, oil, gas, and coal companies are writing big checks to Trump's inauguration, including Chevron for over half a million, mm -hmm. Citgo for half a million, ExxonMobil for half a million, BP Corporation of North America for half a million, and the coal mining company Murray Energy for $300,000. They are writing the checks that matter to Trump. Okay, so, but that's, that sounds like corruption. Uh, no, that's just lobbying. No, that sounds like corruption. Uh, I mean, they're just lobbying him. They're paying him money to get him to agree with them. That's what corruption is. Okay, you say potato. I say tomato. Uh, I don't think... What? <laughs> so that's $1 in every 10 that Trump has collected for his inauguration. One in every 10. Now, I, oh, I, can, hear the, I can hear the comments. I know. Obama, $1 in every 34 for his second inauguration was coming from oil, coal, and gas. I mean, it's it's mathematically slightly better, but it's not like good. That's right. not good. They're able to give money to politicians because they have so much money. Right. They can outspend any other group because oil has the money. All politicians, like they can do it to any politician. And there are many politicians that are taking checks from energy companies. So here's the thing. I mean, we're in the middle now of the presidential election. And I know many of you forget that we're also in the middle of all the other elections, too. We've got Congress to elect as well. But when you're looking for a candidate, I just urge you to look at the climate change issue as one of the most important issues. See how your potential candidates will vote on that issue, because that is the most important issue facing us. And make sure that they have an actual plan, that they don't just use a bunch of words. And make sure your candidate actually doesn't skip going to the UN climate change right. conference, um, because... What's the point of voting for someone who says he's going to drain the swamp if this is what the swamp looks like that's still fully undrained? Yes. I mean, it's it's frustrating. And look, I would be mad if anyone were in office right now that were taking this huge checks from these energy companies. And you might be saying like, oh, but it's not a million dollars. Half a million dollars is a lot of money. And one in ten dollars is coming from oil, gas and coal. That is ridiculous, and we need to rid that from our politics. It's corruption. I don't know why we make that synonymous with lobbying. That is not what I think of when I think of lobbying. I can right. understand what lobbying might be. You'd say, hello, this is what we're talking about. Let me lobby to you. We're in the lobby. I'm talking to you. It's not just like, here's a bunch of money. Do what we want. That's what the mob does. Right. That's what the mob does. We, do you understand that? The mafia will do that. Like, here's a bunch of money. Now do what we want, Mr. Government. We don't want that in our politics. Like, that's, we've been fighting corruption since the beginning of time. Can we not address it? Can we not look at it in the face and be like, hey, that seems an awful lot like corruption. Stop it. All right, it's time for the lightning round. So, the Model S is going to be getting some new rear-facing seats. Zane said, will the seven-seat layout be a new layout? And Elon said, no. Original five forward-facing seats plus two rear-facing smaller seats the new rear seats will accommodate larger passengers than before. So if you remember, there were there used to be an option that you could get jump seats in the back of the car. Yeah, look at these. Uh, you can see the kids here. Right. And now they're going to be slightly larger seats to accommodate slightly larger passengers. Okay, but let's slow down. Yeah. We're adding another motor to the back of the Model S now. So that's going to take some space. It's got to go somewhere. Well, it could go in the differential back there. So okay. you can take that space, I suppose. Okay, but even so, why? Like, why are we doing this? Who wants to sit facing backwards in a Model S? I mean... And where's the leg room coming from? Where right. are these bigger seats? I mean, look at the seat. Look at the picture. Where's the room? Buy an X. If they make right. it any bigger, it's an X. Right. 
do we need this? Do we want this? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it keeps your kids locked in, that's for sure. Yeah. So, Jess, do you remember uh, Trump's tax cuts last year? Yes. I don't recall them on my tax return. No, you didn't get them. The uh, big corporations got a tax cut from 35% Mm -hmm. down to 21%. Yes. So Yvonne Chaudenard, he's the billionaire founder of Patagonia, announced last week that his company would be donating the $10 million it got in profits from that tax cut to charities to reverse global warming. Our government continues to ignore the seriousness and causes of the climate crisis. It's pure evil. You know what else is pure evil? (laughs) New Jersey's auto retailers. They've sued Tesla, claiming that Tesla should never have been allowed to open their gallery locations in the state. They said, whether or not any sales are finalized at Tesla's galleries, the above-mentioned activities that take place at the gallery are designed and intended to lead to a sale and certainly constitute offering vehicles for sale. The complaint also claims that Tesla is participating in internet advertising violations, including erroneously describing the autopilot driver assistance system as self-driving and listing Model 3 incentives and estimated gas savings without listing who's eligible or how the estimates were calculated. Now this is nothing new. Every single state has their own dealers association and basically all of them have been fighting Tesla to keep them out of their states because it basically competes directly with them. And if you can, you know, keep them out of your states, keep yourself in this nice little insulated monopoly that isn't going to be disrupted by Tesla's really nice, you know, buy a car online model, then you're you're saving yourself just another week, another month of this. It's not new. Every state has had this problem and Tesla's been winning these cases left and right. I don't know why it took them this long to sue Tesla. I mean, they've been operating their showrooms in the state for quite a while now. Uh, maybe they just figured I it out. because their sales numbers are hurting. They're like, oh, oh no. no. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. So check this out, Jesse. Mm-hmm. This is the Taiga Orca. Remember, we spoke with Taiga a couple months ago, yes. and uh, they were about to unveil their electric watercraft. Well, this is it. It's a carbon fiber hull construction. It weighs under 600 pounds, and it has a 134 kilowatt or 180 horsepower motor wow. with a top speed of up to 65 miles an hour with a sub five millisecond response time. It is a 23 kilowatt hour battery, which gives it a two hour drive time. It can DC fast charge at 10 kilowatts. That's zero to 80% in 20 minutes. Um, It is a five year, no maintenance powertrain warranty. It is over the year updates. Nice, what's the price? Basically a Tesla for the water. It costs $28,000 for the Founder Series. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm holding. Then there will be 400 Orcas coming out at $24,000. Then they will be coming out with a lower price model for sub $14,000. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this is following the Tesla model where you come out with some expensive Founder Series stuff to kind of help fund it. Right. And then as you get into full production, the price comes down. Uh, What is this I hear about the Model 3 sounds have now begun? Yes. So according to U.S. regulations, according to the man, the man wants to put sound uh, on the Model 3. So this is what it sounds like when it's driving forward. That sounds like a, a jet airplane. And this is what it sounds like when it's going backwards. That sounds like a uh, like a spaceship. Yes. Well, like what I think so, a spaceship. So sounds these like. are the two noises. Uh, they're awful. Look, and and I'm not like mad at Tesla about it. They had to put noises on there. But I do want to remind people that it's just a speaker making these noises, and you can snip snip. Oh. Um, there's it, you know, and I don't think you're breaking any laws. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But like, what are they going to do? Pull you over for having your car be too quiet? Unlikely. 
All right, it's time for a SpaceX update. So you remember that Starhopper had a, a test last month and it burned an unintentional 100-acre brush fire, which prompted many complaints from a nearby hamlet near the Boca Chica test site. Now, SpaceX has now offered to buy every house for three times their value, and the owners have two weeks to decide, according to Business Insider. Now, this offer would also include VIP passes to watch all future launches that are unavailable to the public. So wait, they're going to buy up an entire town because it's near their well, test site? It's a hamlet. It's a play? It's a hamlet. It's a small, there's about 20 residents, like 20 elderly residents that live in this little town. Here it is. Well, that's the whole town. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. So it's like a really small hamlet. It's a ham- So a hamlet smaller than a village. Yeah. But yeah, so they've offered to buy it up so that uh, if anyone's not happy, they can move. Oh, Okay. All right, it's time for our video contributor stories. We've got Lars from Denmark showing off his Model 3 detachable tow hitch. Hey, Second Jesse, this is Lars from Best in Tesla YouTube channel reporting to you from Denmark because I just got my Model 3 a couple of months ago. But my Tesla Model 3, it got something I haven't seen on your YouTube channel yet. So I thought I would bring you some footage because my Tesla Model 3, it got a little tow. Oh yeah, look at that little thing. It is a detachable tow, so you can take it off if you don't want it on there. When you get the car, it's not on. You just pop off a panel, put this one in, and you're good to go and can tow 900 kilos. I just used it on a road trip where I put on a baggage box behind it. But that's something you need to know when you put a big box on the back of your Tesla, because you're blocking all the cameras and sensors back there, so autopilot, autopilot won't work, and lane departure avoidancy uh, will also not work. So that's something to keep in mind when you, if you want to go on a long road trip uh, where you want to use autopilot a lot, but planning on putting a big box on the back of your car. So uh, you can still lose, use adaptive cruise control and all that, but you have to drive the car yourself. So I uh, don't know if you've seen the photos before, but um, now you have, and uh, back to you, second Jesse, and now you know. Why don't I get a tow hitch? That's so cool. It is cool. All right, it's time for our Patreon bonus stories. If you'd like to support this channel, head on over to Patreon. You can support us for as little or as much as you'd like, and you can watch all of our bonus stories there. They're available every week. All right, we are back from the Patreon bonus stories. That got a little weird at the end, I got to admit. It's time for our Patreon shoutouts. These are people who support us for $5 or more a month, and they go up at the end of the show onto our end credits. They stay there where we can applaud them forever. Mm-hmm. So uh, who do we got this week, Jess? We have Colin Sachet. Stephen Beyer. Kim R. Hill Jim. Hil- and no, that's not backwards. <laughs> Hilmar Olafsson. David Green. Andy Pensold. And Jim Fritter. Thank you so much for supporting this channel. We could not do it without you. All right, it's time for Elon's Tweets of the Week. Happy Chappie said, I think Porsche has cornered itself by announcing a time at Nuremberg. Uh, Tesla jumped for the challenge. Now Porsche will have to push the car to the limit, beating their entire thermal lineup in the process and ruining their own IC market at the same time. Brilliant. And Elon went... A terrible wink. (laughs) This one from Test Letter. How is the testing going? When is version 10 going to be rolled out to the folks who purchase full self-driving? Fixing several minor bugs and regression in highway driving. So probably early to mid next week. And J. Lou said, is version 10 coming out this week for full self-driving though? And autopilot improvements next week? Elon said, no, it's one integrated release. So So, yeah, we got an update then. Well, he's, well, no, they push back the update. 
but the update about the update is that it's being pushed back a week right. it seems um i'm not too surprised i'm not too worried people seem to get bent out of shape about this kind of thing i've learned to let it go uh, elon said electric is the future congratulations daimler and that was in reference to Daimler saying that they are going to be making no more ICE engines. Uh, stopping uh, development of internal combustion engines, uh, which we talked about earlier in the show. And Mercedes-Benz actually tweeted back to Elon, here's to a sustainable future, thumbs up emoji. And Elon said, very meaningful action by the company that invented the internal combustion engine. People will remember this day. Respect. So that was the... That was nice. That was probably the most there. civil... Uh, interaction between two com competitors yeah. on twitter so look at that yeah everyday miracles all right it's time for community mail time community mail time our buddy matt sailed out in his solar sailboat to greet greta thunberg when she arrived mm -hmm. from europe so nice to have a community of awesome people now look closely at that photo that's Greta on the bow of her sailboat. That's so cool. Our friend Annie just picked up her new Model 3 last week in Chicago, so congratulations. Nice. Our buddy Martin in Europe actually listened to us over his mechanic. And his wife. Who both said it was a bad idea to buy a Model 3. So, wow. But now they they all love the car. Right. Including the mechanic. Right. Which I, I don't know why. <laughs> seems like <laughs> Seems like he's putting the mechanic out of business, but you know. All right, it's time for our on-air question of the week. What do we got, Jess? So Conrad asked, any assumptions on the specs for the Tesla pickup? How will they be able to influence current pickup drivers to switch? Let, let me just tell you. You got the answer. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, how are they going to convince uh, current pickup drivers to switch? It's going to be like eight times cheaper to drive the Tesla pickup truck in we terms of fuel costs. Oh, I see. I mean, right now, you're probably getting like 12 miles to the gallon on a good day. If you're getting, you know, it, it's probably 10. The, you know, switching to electric is going to be so cheap to keep running. Do you think that is on the minds of most pickup truck buyers, though? The cost of running the car? I just don't think that's they care about that. At what point, though, would you have to do that? I mean, let's say you're a landscaper or whatever, and you need a pickup truck to drive You're your thinking stuff. rationally, though. You're thinking like a business person who would buy the truck. And I okay. agree there'll be plenty of those people. But I think, go to the first part of the question. Any assumptions on the specs for the Tesla pickup? Yeah. I think when they see it doing some crazy towing, some uh, crazy speeds, right. they're I mean, going to... Let, let's be honest. Tesla doesn't... They don't play around. They don't play around. They don't like make a thing that's like almost as good they make the best right? right they make the fastest the you know fast accelerating the most powerful i think i think is my opinion that the tesla pickup truck is probably going to be able to do what the semi truck is able to do which is tow its competition uphill hmm. you know in, in a head-to-head -head kind of competition tug of war style and the semi can do that uh yes <laughs> all right yes. you heard it here first <laughs> I mean, that's what Elon said, and I, I would believe him, as long as you have the traction, I suppose. But, I mean, getting back to the fuel costs, it's the fuel costs. I mean, I remember Aziz Ansari had this joke that basically uh, some guy in, uh, I think it was South Carolina, wouldn't serve him because he was Indian. And, okay. uh, not the guy. Aziz was Indian, even though he's from South Carolina. And basically, uh, Aziz was like, I wonder how many people would have to go in there and be turned away by this guy before the guy went man, I would be making so much money if I wasn't so racist, right? I think that pickup truck drivers are going to have the same question. They're going to say, man, I would be saving so much money if I just switched to electric. Mm. At what point, at how much of a cost difference, you know, we're talking thousands of dollars a month, right. depending on your driving styles and, and how far you have to drive. What point does it just 
make so much financial sense. No, I think, have to I think you're right. Once some of your buddies are driving them, the switch is going to happen. Oh, it's gonna Once you ride so with your quick. buddy to right. work one day, you're going to switch. Yes. All right, let's take a look at the results of our poll. Did you attend a Fridays for Future Climate Strike event last Friday? We're talking the 20th. And uh, we got 21 people that said, yes, indeed I did. 16 that said, no, but I knew someone who did. And 106 who said, no, I didn't. Keep in mind, these are our Patreon supporters. Yeah. These are people who are on the boat with us here. But, I mean, I guess we're not talking to a whole lot of students. And, it, you know, these strikes were primarily aimed at students, so... That it's true. Work. And I know that it's harder to take off work than it is to take off school. Right. In, in some situations. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's disappointing. We talked a whole lot about it on the Patreon bonus story, so you can check it out there. All right. It's time for Supercharger Reviews. Let's see what we got for new Supercharger Reviews this week. Hi, second Jesse. My name is Andreas. I'm standing here at the destination charger of the Park Hotel Brasilia in Jesolo, Italy. I was traveling here with my Model 3 together with my family. The trip was 600 kilometers and uh, we needed two supercharger stops. Superchargers and destination chargers really make traveling convenient. The employees are very friendly. If you give them a call before you arrive, they reserve you the spot at the charger. The hotel is very lovely. The weather is great and the beach is nearby. Now you know. Hi Zach and Jesse, this is the destination charger at the Hilton Garden Inn on the Tampa Suncoast Parkway. It is at the junction of 589 which is the Suncoast Parkway and Highway 54 which has tons and tons of everything. Across the street is an emergency room and in the same parking lot as the hotel there is a sports bar, an ice cream place, a Mexican restaurant, a Carrabba's, a brick oven pizza place, a Thai sushi restaurant, bunches of other little shops. There's also an international beer garden. The chargers there is one GE charger for other electric cars there are two Tesla destination chargers although the middle one works the other one closest to the lobby isn't working and it wasn't working six weeks ago when we stayed here but hopefully they fix it soon the hotel is awesome they have free Wi-Fi they have a pool a gym it's really really nicely decorated and the staff are super, super friendly. It's a really, really nice hotel and I would give it a nine out of 10. The only reason a nine instead of a 10 is because this guy here is still not working six weeks after the first time we noticed it wasn't working. But this one is working. My car has been getting between 27 and 30 miles an hour and love this hotel and love this charger and love your show. Thanks. Hi, Zach and Jesse. Here is Mario again. Um, today I'm at the supercharger in Jettingen Schepach. It's called Jettingen Schepach and it's a six stall and two of them are for model three priority and mm, it's a little bit slower. It's my second time here at the supercharger and the maximum I got is 80 kilowatt so it's a little bit uh, slow. 
you have a Marco Polo outlet to go shopping, you have a petrol station with a restaurant, there is a McDonald's, um, there's a hotel, and it's uh, quite near, it's just one kilometer away from the uh, highway, so it's no problem to get here, but I give it a seven out of 10. And now you know. Man, I love this part of the show. The sad part for me is that I didn't, I didn't actually get to see any of those. I have to wait till the show comes out like the rest of you guys, and then I have to go watch the whole show to see what we just saw. You know what I do sometimes? What? I sneak down the editing room and I see what they're working on so I know what's coming out. Oh. Yeah, and now that you're here full time, you're Ooh, probably going to be able to start doing that. a sneak peek. Yeah. All right, it's time for the new superchargers. What do we got this week? We have the 12-stall, 150-kilowatt supercharger in Richmond, California. We've got the 24-stall Urban with Solar Canopy at Rancho Mirage in California. The 10-stall, 150-kilowatt supercharger in Webster, Texas. And number 474 in Europe is the 2-stall Private. It's at the starting line of Nuremberg, Germany. It's a pretty needed one, I suppose. Yeah. And the 16-stall Urban Supercharger in Newark, California. And number 1630 in the USA is the 20-stall Urban at Milpitas, California at the Great Mall. All right, it's time for the Patreon giveaway. All right. To get in this big bucket of fun and to win an EcoWare t-shirt, uh, you have to be a Patreon. And for uh, every dollar that you support us for, you get another... What, are they falling out? They were falling out. Oh, they they fell out of the thing. Uh, you will get a card that goes in here. All right, so who's our winner going to be this week, Jesse? Andreas S. Congratulations, Andreas. You're going to win an EcoWare t-shirt. Uh, remember that we carbon offset the production and the shipping and the life cycle of your shirts, and we also plant a tree for every tea. Well, you made it to the end of the show, and uh, what I want to talk about here is if you're watching the show and you made it this far, don't turn away yet. Um, you might be interested in joining our show in the Tesla Time newsroom. There are four different kinds of people we need. You might be that kind of person. So let's let you know what we're looking for. So the first role that we're, we're looking for on the newsroom is a fact researcher. So this is someone who, you know, we can hand a story to and say, hey, go find some facts about this. Tell me, you know, how many trees were being planted in China, you know, over the course of the last thing. Go find some other interesting numbers so that we have stuff right. to compare to, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, so if you like research, if that's your thing, you might want to fit that. And just by the way, what we're talking about here, the Tesla Time Newsroom, it's a Slack team where um, you know you can help as little or as much as you want to. So mm -hmm. it's not like we're forcing you to work 20 hours a week or something. You can fit it into your schedule. Yep. Um, but yeah, let us know. Uh, we're going to have a Google form down below that you can fill out and let us know just a few quick facts about yourself, whether you'd like to be the fact researcher. The next one is Story Finder. So this is someone who is just on the hunt for uh, relevant stories. And this can be stories that are kind of near you, relevant to your actual geographic location. Because um, again, you can join the newsroom anywhere in the world. This is something that is online, which means that you don't have to come visit us and talk to it. So you're just looking for stories uh, that are applicable, talking about you know sustainability, Tesla, other uh, car manufacturers, pollution. Or things in your neck of the woods. Right, exactly. Now the next one is story writers. So, I mean, once you've found a story, someone might be very good at writing about the story, the who, what, when, where, why of the story. Right, and baking it down into its uh, components so that way we can actually just kind of like grab it and use it on the show, uh, saving us lots of time and meaning that we can actually cull through more stories uh, during a week, which means that we are going to be 
hopefully having better information right. week after week. And the last is news correspondence. So if you're interested in actually going to events, maybe car shows or talking to politicians or interviewing people, um, that would be a great job for you. So if that's something you're interested in or you're good at, please let us know that. So all of these things, what I think is so super important here is that there's people around the world who go to school, right, to be journalists, um, to be writers. And this is your opportunity to actually put some of that into practice. And I mean, yes, we're not going to pay you, but you are going to be making a huge difference. You're going to be getting your work out to tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. Right. So, yeah, let us know down in the Google form below if you're interested. We will contact you and uh, possibly get you into our newsroom. And you've made it to the very end of the show. This is We don't have any more uh, secrets any uh beyond this point i think not for this maybe week. <laughs> maybe but thank you hey thank you so much for watching the whole thing uh you know we we had to record the whole thing so it, it's nice that you joined us all the way at the end yeah um and if you haven't subscribed yet right there are about 60 percent of people who watch this show that aren't subscribed to the show now i understand you might be in some foreign country and you didn't have a chance you didn't want to sign on to youtube because uh, you were just worried um but I don't think that that's 60% of you. Um, I think that some of you probably watch the show every week and you aren't subscribed. If you subscribe to the show, it's going to help us demonstrably yeah. uh, to get interviews with uh, with CEOs of companies um, to and, and politicians, uh, potentially even like presidential candidates. The more subscribers we have, that's just clout. Yeah. And instead of just using our clout to look cool, um, we actually want to do that use our clout for good that's right we're reaching out to presidential candidates for example and uh, the numbers me mean something so right. i mean they're not going to call back small channels they're going to call back bigger channels right. so your little click there is going to make a difference right. uh also hitting the like button i uh, don't know if it does anything youtube wise but it does make me happy uh so that is a good one you can leave a comment um uh that would be good. A nice positive comment is nice. Yeah. Or you can find one of the many trolls that live in the comment section down below and waste your time talking to them if you really wanted to. I don't recommend it. And you can support us on Patreon. Um, it's honestly the thing that makes the most difference uh, for us. It's just, it's it's something that really, really helps and we try and make it as, uh, as useful and, and valuable to you um, as it is to us because it's it's our lifeblood. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Now you know.